if success is control over my own calendar, I actually already have control over 16 hours a day or, you know, eight hours a day. If I'm going to chalk up some to sleeping and eating and all this other, maybe commuting, whatever else, but you might find that you have more than, um, more than you think. And if you can say, okay, I'm going to prioritize my health and fitness. I'm going to prioritize my side hustle projects and prioritize my family. Like what can you get done during those times? And if you make it a habit, try and you know be proactive, be consistent about blocking that off. You might be surprised what you get done after the course of a month over the course of two months. to the Mind for Life podcast. The Mind for Life podcast. Where your thinking can change your life. And now, here's your host, Jeff Bogazic. Welcome to the Mind for Life podcast. My name is Jeff Bogazic and I will be your host today where hopefully you will learn to think a little bit better. Maybe you'll learn something in order to live a better life. I am so, so excited to have on the program today Nick Loper, the owner of SideHustleNation.com and the host of one of the top rated podcasts for aspiring entrepreneurs, The Side Hustle Show. Nick is an entrepreneur involved in a variety of projects. He started his site because he believes in the hustle. He used to work full-time for a giant corporation, and you'll hear more about that in our interview today, but he built his online business by hustling nights and weekends until he was able to do it full-time. His goal is to help people like you and me who are wanting to start their own side hustle and on his website, SideHustleNation.com, he showcases his successes and his failures as well as the actionable lessons from dozens of fellow side hustle entrepreneurs. His podcast provides loads of ideas and practical how-tos for you to implement when starting your own side hustle. Today, you're going to hear about how Nick went from selling car parts for Ford to selling shoes online to Side Hustle Podcaster. You're also going to hear why Nick's interviews on his podcast fuel his passion. And finally, why the journey and the process in any side hustle is the most important aspect. I'm so, so honored to speak with him, and we'll get to the interview in just a minute. But first, let me mention our podcast sponsor. The show sponsor is Bluehost.com, the leading web solution services provider. Bluehost was founded in 2003. They have a mission to empower people just like you and me to fully harness the powers of the interwebs. They provide the comprehensive tools for millions of users throughout the world so anyone, novice or pro, can get on the web and thrive. So if you are looking to set up a website, host a podcast, or start a blog, please take a look at Bluehost.com. We have a link on our website, mindforlife.org, that you can click on and access web hosting for $3.95 a month. 
Second, the show notes for this program will be at mindforlife.org slash 041. So you can click over there anytime, get all the links for the things that we talk about on this program, including Nick's podcast, his website, and his post on side hustle ideas. So if you're looking to start your own side hustle, Nick has a post there that you can click on. And also we are offering a full transcript of my interview with Nick, so you can find that at mindforlife.org slash 041. Finally, you can now become a patron of this podcast. Help support it with your kind generosity, starting with as little as $1 a month. You can help us cover the cost of producing this program. There's a Become a Patron link right there at the top of the homepage at mindforlife.org. So just click on that orange button, and I appreciate your generosity. All right, let's get right into my interview with Nick Loper of Side Hustle Nation. First of all, let me just welcome you to the program. It's great to have you here, and uh, you're a, a huge inspiration for me. Let me say that up front. I've listened to your program now for maybe five, six months, you know, and uh, just have been really, really impressed by what you're doing. Uh, so, yeah, tell me how you got started. How, how, what, what precipitate, were you doing some other type of online business and then you said, hey, I got to get into podcasting. Why did you decide to get into it? How did it all get started? Yeah, the original side hustle was a footwear comparison shopping site. Mm-hmm that earned commission from Zappos and Amazon and these other these other stores kind of like as a, a catalog aggregator mm-hmm. uh, type of site you hey you know a specific model of shoes like here's where you can find the best deal and then while I was, so that was the original side hustle you know three years of nights and weekends like quit my job like made that my full-time thing while I was running that business as the main focus started probably a half dozen other projects and most of those kind of flopped, but a couple, st- a couple are still around. And one of them that, that is still around is the Side Hustle Nation uh, blog and, and the Side Hustle Show podcast. And it kind of started after some soul searching in a, kind of along the lines of like, you know, what do you want to be known for when somebody Googles you? Right. Like, what do you, what do you get excited about talking about? And kind of like this lower risk brand of entrepreneurship, this side hustle, um, you method of like getting started, I think is more realistic for a lot of people than, you know, the, the traditional entrepreneurship stories coming out of Silicon Valley. Like, oh, you got to raise venture capital. You got to, you know, jump off the cliff and, and, a, and an entrepreneur is somebody who builds his parachute on the way down. Like all of that stuff, you know, is there's people who do it, but it's like, that's not for me. Like right. I'm a little more risk averse than that. And I think a lot of people are kind of like, well, that all sounds great, but I got rent to pay next month. I got a mortgage to pay next month. Like let's, how do we, you know, kind of do this in a way that makes sense for, for me and my family. So you were working a side hustle selling shoes and then started another side hustle in the side hustle nation. <laughs> it's very meta. <laughs> right. Yeah. You've had a, tr- you had a traditional job then. Is that correct? While you were while you started the shoe business, you worked a traditional job. Yeah. So when I was, you know, first building the shoe business, I was working corporate for Ford, and so by day I was trying to sell more Ford parts through their dealer channel. Um, car business is a fascinating business, but just never, 
you know, never really saw myself climbing the corporate ladder there right. and had kind of hoped and hoped and thought that maybe this, this shoe thing, this very fledgling shoe thing at the time could be, uh, could be the escape path. Uh, but you didn't want to be known for shoes. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't something that I cared about really. Right. It, it ended up, I was probably my own worst customer. I probably bought, you know, three pairs of shoes over the course of 10 years, but it was cool to like build the systems and build and, you know, try and do the advertising tweaks and trying to optimize different things like that part was really cool. And it's just the product that, you know, I didn't, didn't really care about. And maybe at the beginning, I probably naively thought like, this could be, this could be my thing. Like I could do this forever. You know, this could be my thing. And, you know, the business had a, a ton of ups and downs from, you know, getting the AdWords account, um, unceremoniously shut down. Like on my first day of, you know, self-employment, I, you know, I turned in the keys to my company car and like, I was like, all right, I'm going to be, do this entrepreneurship thing. Right. Google says, no, you're not. Hold on. I was like, wait, wait, wait. You know, you go through they the whole your account down. Yeah, it was nuts. They said, um, you're an affiliate site. You know, the sole purpose of your site is to drive traffic to other sites. They said, well, the sole purpose of Google is to drive traffic right, to other no sites. Doubt. Like, who, you know, who are you to judge? You know, so you go through like, you know, anger and denial and all this stuff. Um, ended up making some changes to their website, really just adding more internal links to balance the, you know, number of external links that were on the page. And that seemed to do the trick. And they came back three months later and they said, oh, it looks like we made an error. You're good to go. And nice. it was just like, turn on a faucet again. And the traffic was back. But, you know, that was that was the first of many kind of challenges, you know, developer challenges. There was an affiliate nexus uh, legal battle in California that kind of presented some challenges. We actually had to go rent, uh, rent an apartment in Nevada for a little while to be able to continue to run this business. It, it, and it just... It kind of played in the margin between the cost of traffic and what that traffic was worth in terms of commissions, and you know it was getting squeezed on both sides over the course of eight or nine years, and um, was very happy to have some other projects to kind of take its place. Uh, what is the passion that drives you now? It's not shoes. <laughs> it's not necessarily selling products. I don't know. I mean, you've got the book and some other things like that. Do you have courses that you sell? In other words, I haven't got a course right now. I did. Um, I did kind of like a thirty-day side hustle challenge type of course a couple of years ago, um, and may do something like that again. Um, I mean, the three main revenue drivers right now are uh, sponsorships on the podcast, uh, affiliate offers on the website, and then. Uh, kind of my own random side hustles, like the self-publishing stuff, the other affiliate sites that I still have, some freelancing stuff, a little bit of e-commerce um, that all kind of fall under that side hustle umbrella. But, you know, what am I passionate about today? It's like I'm learning new stuff like every week, you no know, doubt. through these conversations. And like, that's exciting to me. I, like when I can hang up a podcast interview being like, I should totally do that. Or like, I've got some homework to do from this call. Like that's, um, you know, that's exciting stuff. Cause I know if I am thinking that other people are thinking that too. And I think that's what kind of keeps people coming back uh, and listening to the show. So I don't know those are kind of the, what, what keeps things going these days. You have, uh, if you've not listened to the side hustle show for our listeners, I highly recommend you go and listen to that at the end of every show. You do your top takeaways. Now you have a ton of stuff, man. After 200 and what? 247. 247 shows, 
right? You've had a ton of takeaways. Do you have the time to implement all those things? And what maybe would you say have been some of the, the, the biggest things that you've implemented for yourself that you've learned on the program? Um, there's been a ton of stuff. Um, a couple, a couple examples that kind of come top of mind, like one of the very early episodes to kind of put the show on the map was this conversation with, uh, anarcho fighter is his Fiverr screen name. And he famously, or like kind of his claim to fame is like he earned enough money on Fiverr to uh, buy a house, like in his first oh, year right. on the platform. And so Fiverr is F I V E R R.com. It's the, it's kind of known as the $5 marketplace. Mm-hmm. And I'd used it at that time as a customer, as a buyer, like I'd bought graphic design and articles and other like, you know, website fixes mm-hmm. and stuff, but I never considered using it as a seller. Like what could you sell for for five bucks, four bucks after they take their cut, right. you know, that's going to be worth their while. So he walked through this whole process of, you know, your $5 thing has got to be, you know, a pre-written, pre-recorded, you know, it's a PDF file, it's a video file, you know, something that takes you two seconds to deliver. And then if somebody wants your time, you could do that in the gig extras. He's like, the key, the key word to Fiverr is like the marketplace of goods and services that start at $5. Start so at $5. We had him on a couple years later. I mean, they now allow you to do custom orders up to $10,000. So oh, he right. um, said he made the first $10,000 order through Fiverr. What did Fiber. he do? So his background was in PR and copywriting. Okay. So an example of one of his gigs was like, I'll send you the you know, the seven steps to a killer autoresponder sequence or something. Right. And so that's the $5 thing. And then in the upsells, like I'll write message number one for you. I'll help write message number two for you. Okay. And so that was kind of how, uh, how he did it. And so the custom package was like, you know, the right sales page for the right customer is worth 10,000, you know, or more yeah. It's worth a lot of money. Um, you know, if that's going to increase your conversion rate, especially on a high dollar product. So that was kind of his background and, and the way to look at it is like, you know, what's the, what's the entry point into your service offering? You know, what's the, you know, what's the quiet little thing, but like to go back to the implementation question, like, so after that conversation, I was like, all right, I'm going to try this out. So I put a couple books that I had up mm-hmm. for sale on Fiverr. And one of them actually ended up outselling Amazon no you know, for the same title. Your book, so your was, book on Fiverr outsold what you were getting on Amazon. Yeah. During huh. these like, you know, first couple months of this trial, I was like, this is, you know, this is really interesting. So I was playing around more with the platform and eventually I got brave and said, I'll turn on the, uh, like screen recorder software, my feedback of your website, you know, in terms of SEO and usability and all this stuff. And that, I mean, that gig was a ton of fun. And then in the extras was like, I'll go into more detailed suggestions on marketing or whatever. And ended up doing hundreds of those things. Like that was was a ton of fun. Maybe not the greatest hourly rate in the world, but ended up being pretty decent with the, with the upsells and stuff that were going on. Um, so, uh, you know, Fiverr is an example, kind of like one of these fun platforms that never really considered, but then, you know, this guy on the podcast kind of showed me, showed me the way and, and had some fun uh, doing that. The other example that, um, that comes to mind, actually a conversation from Joseph Hogue, who runs, uh, peer finance and, you know, really a handful of kind of like sites in the personal finance space. He is kind of like the SEO expert inside mm-hmm. the FinCom community, the, the kind of like financial blogger community. Mm-hmm. And what he said is like, if you're taking the time to create this post and you don't expect it to rank, if you don't expect it to bring in either, you know, 
search traffic from Google or, you know, search or social traffic from Pinterest. Like, why are you writing it? Like, what's right. the point of this? And that was kind of an eye opening moment to me because, he, you know, he's looked at every piece of content as its own kind of like individual asset. Right. Like this is going to make money from, you know, lead generation, from, you know, affiliate revenue, from advertising revenue, uh, from email signups for you know, or whatever it is. And, you know, instead of looking at, you know, because I came from blogging as like, you know, I started years and years ago, like as a personal you know, it was kind of a cross between like a personal journal and like, you know, the, the, the type of blog that you see today. And it, you know, that was kind of a really eye opening uh, conversation just kind of made me rethink the different types of content that I create. Like, is this going to be a standalone asset? Is it strong enough to generate traffic on its own? Um, sometimes, sometimes yes, sometimes no. Do you, so now you go into everything that you do I'm assuming with that mentality. Now, do you write a blog as uh, along with the podcast now? Because I haven't looked at that necessarily. So I do create like the the show notes for the site, and then I've got a guy who helps kind of write the summaries of the episode and use those as lead magnets for each episode. Okay, but as far as like um, just a blog, you that that you will say the show notes are the content, and you have it in the show notes as the written content, then you've got the podcast as like another piece of content, the audio that people can listen to. Yeah. And those will be on the same page. Right. And then also there's like the full, like written only component of the site, which is just like straight blog posts. Like, mm-hmm. you know, here's 200 plus ways to make extra money. Here mm-hmm. are, you know, 79 alternative investment platforms that you ought to check out for higher returns. It's, uh, you know, stuff like that. It's kind of the written side of the site. And those would all be now, very specific, very intentional about, do you do that for the podcast then? Like, are you very intentional about, are these interviews going to generate traffic? Are they going to accomplish the purpose of getting leads? Do you think about that? Or are you more like concerned with, is this going to be an interesting interview? Is this going to be a piece of information that my audience is going to want to know about or hear or listen to? With the show, I try and start with the, with the hook or the, or the topic. And so usually it's like an interesting side hustle that, you know, somebody, somebody did something remarkable and like, that's worth, that's worth talking about, especially if it's like applicable on a broader, you know, didn't require like some special skill, like those episodes tend to do well, or it's a specific marketing tactic that they could be applied across a broad range. So the, you know, one recent example was, um, what's his name? Ben Foley from, I forget the name of his site, fullyrichlife.com mm-hmm. is, you know, talking about anxiety and like mindfulness and stuff like that. But like, you know, started from zero and generated a ton of traffic from, you know, syndicating his content to medium.com. And then right. specifically inside of that, like uh, specific publications inside of medium was like, dude, this is cool stuff. Like I never knew how any of this worked. And, you know, so it's kind of like a specific traffic generating or specific kind of like marketing tactic. So trying to start with like, what's that hook? What's that angle? What are people going to learn from it? And then try and find who's the best person to tell that story. Um, what's your vision for your online business going forward? Where do you see the side hustle nation in five years? And what, like, if you could draw up your dream of what you'd like to be, <laughs> what you'd like to be doing five years from now, what you'd like your business to look like, what would that be? Yeah, that's kind of crazy to think about because the stuff I was doing five years ago would 
be, you know, unrecognizable. The stuff I'm doing today would be unrecognizable to like the, you know, five years ago, Nick. So it's hard to project five years into the future. Honestly, if it looked a lot like, you know, how it does today, I think that would be cool. But I, I know that it won't. It's just, you know, this, this stuff evolves so quickly. In, in a perfect world, you know, I would probably work fewer hours. Maybe that's not even true. Like I love the work that I do. It's just, I feel kind of like this constant, um, you not overwhelm, but just like you're, you're never fully done like the to do list. There's always more stuff that you mm-hmm. want to do. And so maybe being smarter about prioritization and, you know, have some better systems and the team in place to kind of really focus on the stuff that's like in your wheelhouse and like mm-hmm. always be doing that versus, uh, I don't know, the more tedious stuff. I don't know. There's always room for improvement on that. So maybe that's kind of like, you know, five years is a long time to wait to implement that, but hopefully you can get some of that, get the ball rolling on that in the next, in the next few months here. Uh, what would you say is your biggest struggle? Like, what's the biggest challenge for you outside of saying, oh, I need to find more time in the day to get the things that I need to get done, done? What's been the biggest challenge through the whole process? The time thing is a constant struggle. And I've been trying to be more honest with myself instead of saying, I don't have enough time. I'm trying to say the more truthful I prioritize something else, which is sometimes, you know, can make my wife mad. Like, why didn't you do that? I prioritize. <laughs> it's like, well, what was more important than doing the dishes or whatever? Um, the, the, I'm trying to think the other thing that struggled, maybe one of the early struggles was, you know, not, not really understanding that the podcast is content marketing, you know, the podcast and, the, and really the blog too is unlikely to be a business in itself, but it can kind of help feed the business. So, you know, what's the underlying, you know, monetization model. And when I first started, like, I didn't really have any. So it took uh, 14, 15 months to kind of figure out that, you know, the podcast is content marketing. And, you know, once that happened, that was like flipping a switch. So, um, what that specifically looked like was, you know, creating these episode specific lead magnets, these episode specific opt-in offers, which was just like a highlight. It was just like a summary of the show. Like here, here's, you know, the most important stuff that we talked about here were this person's top tips. And at that time, so yeah, 14, 15 months into the show, 60 something episodes into the show had built an audience of maybe a thousand subscribers, email subscribers at that time, which I was happy with, right. you know, that was, you know, a thousand people who raised their hands and say, hey, we want to hear from you. But within three months of doing that, it was 3000 within six months, it was 6,000. It was just really kind of like the start of the, of the inflection point for the, for the show, for the brand. Um, so had I had I figured that out a little bit earlier, so that was kind of a struggle early on. Lately, it's just trying to keep up with the keep up with the content. I don't know. It's just like every like another Thursday has come in. I got to come up with something to uh, to talk. So trying to batch process a little bit better. And now they've kind of pre-sold a lot of the ad spots. They can really kind of batch record and you know really trying to line these up. You know, months in advance, hopefully, where you know can take a little breather from, you know, the, the constant like, well, crap, what's, what's next Thursday going to be about? Right. So it's interesting. It's very interesting to talk to you and just kind of explore your journey. Who would you say was your best interview on the show? I mean, I don't know if you can pick one. Who, who was your best one? What, and, and what was the reason? Why do you think they were the best one? 
Oh my gosh, the best! You're making me pick favorites here. Let me. Favorites. Uh, it's just kind of like when you ask someone what's their favorite movie. You know, nobody can ever give one, so I'll give you like you know two or three maybe. Yeah, let me see who kind of comes to mind. I mean, they're they're all good. They're all good in their own in their own way. Let me maybe. How about this one? From whom did you learn the most about yourself? That's a good question. So we kind of like my, my interview with Noah Kagan was kind of a weird one. We never really like officially started the, uh, we never really officially started the show like <laughs> within 30, within 30 seconds of the call connecting, he was like, Hey, why, why don't you hit the recorder? You know, sometimes the best stuff, you know, kind of comes in this, right, like, right, you know, right. getting to know you chat. And so I ended up like kind of tacking that on to the end of the show. And it was him like interviewing me in a lot of ways. It was just kind of an interesting, like, you know, off the cuff conversation where I never really expected it to, you know, to publish it. But that was an interesting one. Really one of the m ones that I, you know, implemented and have, you know, really seen some powerful results from was with uh, Rosemary Groner from The Busy Budgeter. Um, that's episode 142, where she kind of walks through like her uh, strategy for just driving a ton of traffic from Pinterest, mm -hmm. which was something I knew nothing about. And so she was like, super, you know, super tactical, like step by step by step. And at that point, you know, she hadn't been on a ton of podcasts. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of fun to, you know, expose that uh, story, kind of like break, you know, uh, break the news in, in a lot of ways. So I think those are kind of fun. But some of the ones that I like are the ones that took, you know, two or three tries to get a good recording out of, you know, we'd be halfway through and be like, time out, you know, this, I'm sorry, you know, this isn't doing it for me. Like what, are, let's, let's dial this back or like, let's narrow down the focus. Sometimes we're trying to, we're trying to cover, you know, six years worth of timeline. Um, an example of that was the, uh, the bread baking sourdough bread lady from okay, Udemy. Yeah. Um, she is making a pretty healthy full-time living, you know, teaching people how to bake sourdough bread, uh, online. And I, you know, I don't remember what was the first recording was okay, but it was the second one when we came back, we focused on the Facebook group and it just ended up being a lot tighter. There's another one we did on kind of like an offline webinar strategy right. with uh, Joshua Lysak, who was like, he had a really cool tactic of like, I want to serve small businesses in my local community. How can I get in front of them? Well, if I reach out to uh, attorneys and accountants or CPA firms, like in my community, like they already have on their client role, like the exact people that I'm trying to target. So what if I host like this little lunchtime power hour, you know, workshop on, you know, the seven deadly sins of, you know, your website or something like that. Mm -hmm. And there's no, not even a sales pitch. It's just like, you know, him presenting himself as the expert on this thing. And people meanwhile, like taking notes like crazy and they can't rush up fast enough afterwards. Like, dude, we got to have a call, you know, our, you know, our website is horrible compared to what you're laying out. And so I really like that one. But you know, where we started, it was like, you know, what's your freelance journey and stuff. So, you know, when we narrowed it down, like, I don't know, that's kind of the fun part is like trying to come up with that that hook or that single lesson tactic takeaway that, that people can really, uh, really learn from. Pretty interesting. Pretty interesting. What would you say you've learned most about yourself through podcasting and through your side hustle journey? What's, what have you learned about you? <laughs> through, through it all, like that I'm not that good. <laughs> I'm not that smart. Like that's kind of been the, the recurring theme really over the last 
15 years. So I, you know, was really blessed in school to have some, some good teachers that set, you know, set me up for success. And so it ended up being like a good, like a great student in school. Like this is easy. You, you teach me what I need to know. I ace the test, you know, then we move on in, in real life. Like the, where this hit me was in college. I was a, uh, I had this painting business. I was part of like one of these college painting internships thing. And you know, and so they, in the company's like website, they have like the leaderboard, like how much have you sold? How much have you produced? You were selling and, paint. Yeah, selling the paint job, like exterior painting oh, okay. to homeowners. You would go and p- pitch it to the homeowner. You didn't actually do the painting or did you? Yeah, we, I wasn't supposed to, but I ended up doing a lot of painting. Right. You, you, it's like, you're supposed to hire people for that. It's like, well, you know, but I kind of would like underbid these jobs to like make, you know, afraid of like not getting enough work. And so I, I spent a lot of time painting too. But what what was kind of eye-opening there was like my buddy who was also doing this, you know, would call me up at 10 in the morning and be like, dude, you want to go wakeboarding? And be like, dude, I'm painting. And it was like, how are you, like, how does this work? And so he was way better at this than me because he had delegated this to his team. Like he had bid the project appropriately and he'd hired people who could get it done without him being there. Right. And meantime, I was like, all right, let's hustle. Let's, you know, maybe we could finish up this one wall and get around to this side. Was, you know, so that was really an eye opening thing. And, you know, I was, I was, you know, probably uh, 50th percentile, but not like 90th percentile mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, success in the, in the painting business. And so that, that was eye opening. Same thing, like in all of this stuff, like the blogging world, the podcasting world, it's like trying to strive to get better every week. And a lot of that comes from, you know, borrowing the the knowledge from from my guests. Mm-hmm. It's funny you say that because I would venture to bet most people consider you an expert. You know, just simply from what you've done with the side hustle show, most people would look at you and go, "Man, if I could only get there." You see what I'm right. saying? Well, go listen to the first fifty episodes. Well, don't don't go listen to them because they're embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, that and that's the other. Maybe that's the other side of the coin. Is there's often this, um, you know, kind of like a uh, a fantasy that oh, look at what he's done, and I can get there next week. Nobody looks at the years of time you've put in, and the episodes, and the struggle, and walking through and learning, right? The challenges and stuff that have got you there along the way. Everyone just thinks, oh, I should be able to get there next week. Yeah, it's this long, I don't know, at least for me, it's been kind of this long-term process, and it's been it's been fun. Like, it's been a cool challenge, but it definitely hasn't happened overnight. If, if I could go back, like, I could probably, you know, figure out how to grow it a little bit faster, but it's, uh, it's like getting in your 10,000 hours. If you could go back and start again, what would you do different? Well, I'd do the lead magnets differently from the start. Like I would, you know, recognize that the show's content marketing. I would probably do, uh, ad reads from the very beginning, like sponsors. Not that I've had a ton of like pushback from, you know, having sponsors on the show, but I think it, makes yourself makes the show sound more legit like oh dude this guy's got sponsors on episode one you know he must have a big audience mm-hmm. and so i think there's kind of a perception to play um down uh, down that path if that's you if you think you're eventually going to go down that road um one of the biggest i guess growth you know the the biggest spikes that i've seen have been from guesting on other shows mm-hmm. so being more aggressive about that kind of outreach early on could probably accelerate it too and I don't know. There's, there's 
probably an element of practice and, and humility too. It's like, I don't know, I very rarely would pitch myself to like be on somebody else's show. Cause it's like, I don't know if they want to invite me on, I'll say yes. But like, I don't want to be like, I want to talk. And these are the best pitches that I get. Like, here's the hook, you know, here are the three things that, you know, the audience is going to learn from it. And you know, I, I could probably still do a better job about being proactive about that stuff. Do you do that now or no? Do you just take when people, I mean, you're obviously doing more shows now, right? But are you actively pursuing that or now you're at a point where people are actively seeking you out? Yeah, I've, I've only pitched a couple. I haven't, haven't, um, I haven't been as aggressive about that as I probably should be. Hmm. Um, well, one of the things that we talk about that is a very big interest to me is success. And uh, what do you, how, how do you think about success particularly? What is your definition of success for you? And have you reached it? And when will you reach it? Do you think you will ever reach it maybe? Um well, I, I think a success as, you know, having control over your own calendar. And so in that sense, like I have, I've reached that, like I can, you know, block out the time that I want to, to do the work that I want to do and, you know, take the time off for the family that I, that I need to, that I want to. So in that sense, you know, that's, you know, that's a successful career that I've, that I've built here. The downside is it still takes a lot of time to run. And even though it's work that I enjoy, like there's still a lot of hours that go into it. The, the way that you can kind of, um, massage this, even if you're, you know, still working for somebody else is to say, okay, if success is control over my own calendar, you know, what hours during the day do I have control over? And if you kind of audit your time, you might find, you, you might say, well, I don't have any hours or I might have a half an hour maybe in the evening that I, you know, watch Netflix or something. But like, if you, if you write it down, like where are these 24 hours actually going? I think you might find that you have more than more than you think that you actually have control over. And so I think that can be a cool mindset shift. So if, okay, if success is control over my own calendar, I actually already have control over 16 hours a day or, you know, eight hours a day. If I'm going to chalk up some to sleeping and eating and all this other, maybe commuting, whatever else, but you might find that you have more than, uh, more than you think. And if you can say, okay, I'm going to prioritize my health and fitness. I'm going to prioritize my side hustle projects and prioritize my family. Like what can you get done during those times? And if you make it a habit, try and you know be proactive, be consistent about blocking that off. You might be surprised what you get done after the course of a month over the course of two months. Well, I don't want to take your time up too much. You've been so, so generous. It's been great, great talking to you. Uh, if you would just give our listeners a little taste of where they can hear about you, where they can connect with you online, and then uh, we will be done. I appreciate you being here. You bet. So the Side Hustle Show, of course, we'd love to have you tune into that. Um available on iTunes and wherever fine podcasts are sold. And then if you hit sidehustlenation.com slash ideas, if you're kind of in that idea hunting phase, hopefully this laundry list of part-time business ideas will get the creative juices flowing. No opt-in required over there. And uh, we'd love to have you reach out. Let me know that you, that you like the show. Excellent. Thanks so much, Nick. Appreciate you being on, man. You bet. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Well, I hope you've enjoyed that interview. It was such a pleasure to talk with him, and I'm going to give you my top learning moments from speaking with Nick. The first thing that I learned was the importance of perseverance. 
If you listen to Nick's story, you hear that he's tried multiple side hustles until he landed on the Side Hustle Nation. And along with that, he still experiments new projects and has a desire to keep on trying new things. The perseverance he showed through his side hustle journey is an inspiration to us all to not give up when something doesn't work out the way we intend. He even said, go back and listen to the first 50 episodes of his podcast. He thinks they're pretty bad. Um, But it shows that there's growth on the journey when you persevere. It takes time. You don't always achieve things overnight. The second thing, along with his passion for perseverance, is his passion for learning. When I asked Nick what he was passionate about, he talked about the desire to learn new things from his guests. The quality of curiosity and a desire to learn is something we should all strive for in our own lives. And Nick really, really exemplifies that. And finally, the last thing that I learned from speaking with Nick is his definition of success, which was being able to control your calendar. We all have ideas of success that we get or are given to us through commercials, media, movies, songs, or whatever. But it's important for us to figure out our own definition of success, and then to pursue that. Nick's definition is pretty cool, and his journey has brought him to that destination. So I would encourage you to figure out the end first. What are you searching for? And then that way you can make sure that the steps on your journey are moving you in that direction. Well, I hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast. Again, the show notes including a full transcript of my interview with Nick, are at mindforlife.org slash 041. And you can also leave comments there about this episode. Remember to please subscribe on iTunes. If you get a chance, leave a review there. I'd appreciate that so very much. Thanks again for listening to this program. Hope you've enjoyed it. And we will talk to you next time. Mm -hmm.